What's up, everybody? This is episode 39 of KT Confidential, and I'm here with Chris. Hey, how's it going? Welcome. Yes. You guys did a really good job last week, by the way. I like that uh, uh, KT team takeover, you guys called it. Yeah, well, Cam forced us into doing one, so that's that's what came out. <laughs> and Cam got on, uh, he was on the other side of the camera for once, so. Yeah, that was our stipulation. Cam had to come out and uh, introduce himself to the world here. So you guys were all just hopeful that everything was recording properly and you, the cameras hadn't shut off. Well, Jen's actually ran out of space. Uh, like oh really? That's funny. So today we're talking about. Actually, Chris came up with the idea because you've had it come up a few yeah, times recently. The last couple of clients I've been working with have uh, really pondered or asked the question if they should buy or sell first. So right. I think um, it's it's a topic that most people that are looking for homes ask. Um, and it's uh, really something that you have to have uh, a good understanding of going into what the risk and advantages of uh, both. For sure, because either way, there's a risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a matter of figuring out what works best for you. So what would be, how would you help somebody figure out which route would be best for them? Well, I think first of all, just a lot of it depends on what type of home they're they're selling and what type of home they're looking for, right? So, um, if they have a home that we know is going to sell very quickly, that presents well um, right now in the GTA, like starter homes are flying off the shelf. Um, they're selling very quickly, so someone looking to maybe upgrade that family home really shouldn't worry about maybe selling their house first. Um, but if you're living in, say, you're downsizing the other way, you have a you know million dollar home or plus that's a little slower that sits on the market a little bit longer then you might want to potentially sell that first get first and then potentially buy another home that way yeah for sure so the type of home you're selling and how likely they are to sell quickly is a huge factor yeah. um, some if, other factors are like um, if you have somewhere to move yeah right if you have family that you could fall back on. So if you do sell and you can't find anything, can you go live with family? Yeah. Um, that's a big one. If you're pulling money from that house or you need profit, you need, uh, you know, need profit from the sale to actually cover the cost of that move or, yeah. um, it, um, if depending on what your circumstances that way as well, can be a big factor as well. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, and we, we've had a lot of people where, you know, even when they do well, recently we had somebody approach us that wanted to rent one of our listings on a short-term basis. Mm-hmm. And so people do, even though they do their due diligence and make a decision as to whether they want to buy or sell first, it doesn't always work out. You can still run into hiccups along the way. So this person um, in this particular situation, I think they sold and then the house they bought, they loved it. But the only way they could buy it was to close much later um, then the, the closing date on their sale. Mm-hmm. So they were looking for uh, short-term rentals. And we agreed to a price uh, for the short-term rental for a couple months. And then instead, they actually said, okay, well, that's how much it's going to cost us for the short-term rental as a backup. Let's hold on to that for a couple of days. Let's take that money and offer it to the people that bought our house. Yes. And see if uh, they would accept that money uh, to extend the closing. So you can always get creative with things if it doesn't work out. You just have to think outside of the box. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if um, 
had a, had a situation come up recently where we were um, looking at looking at an investment property, um, and the people that were selling their home for the first time. I found out to the the real estate agent, listing agent, that they didn't actually purchase a home yet. So we kind of slipped in a condition to that we would agree within reason to adjust their closing date based off what they um, what they were finding on the other end because I knew that would be advantageous for them, especially a first time seller, yeah. um, not having that stress of you know potentially selling a place and not having somewhere to move into. So sorry, you were representing the. I was representing a buyer. Okay. We were putting an offer in on a home. Correct. They'd have it. the person people selling ha- did not purchase a home yet. Right. So we wanted to make sure we gave them flexibility in our offer in terms of that closing date down yeah. the road. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. We do that often if we're representing, um, sometimes representing the seller. Mm-hmm. And you know, go with a really long closing. Exactly. And then, uh, if they find something that they can close on earlier, then leave something in there so they can change the closing date. Yeah. So it gives you some flexibility. Yeah, I think the important thing is just know the advantages and disadvantages of both. And yeah. you know, um, neither one may be perfect, but that's and just have a good plan and and know that what your options are going into it. Well, I think a lot of people too they they think that. Uh, I've ran into a few times where they think they can just include a clause that says they're buying it conditional conditionally upon the sale of their home. Yeah. But 99.9% of the time, depending on the market, depending on where you are, but in most urban areas. Around here anyways. It's not going to go. Yeah. The, the buyers will not accept it. They're just going to say, no, well, why, why would I sit conditionally for 30 days or whatever when I've got other people that will come in the next few days? Exactly. So, you know, if people are banking on that option, in most markets, it's not going to work. Uh, some markets it will, though. Yeah, um, like some, um, you know, areas outside of the GTA where it's a little slower. Yeah. Um, you know, people have seen that. But the key with that, if so if you are looking at a market where that's a possibility, mm-hmm. you have to make sure uh, that, and we should explain how that, those clauses work, but you have to make sure your house is ready to go. So Absolutely. as soon as you buy, you're not spending two weeks painting and getting the thing ready. And having a realistic expectation on what your home will sell for in a quick period of time. If yeah. you want top, top dollar for your home and you have a sale or a purchase being hung up by that, you may not be able to push that market limit in that home either. That's right. And keep that purchase. Right. So, and the, so the way those clauses work is typically they're set up and structured in such a way where um, you as the buyer and the seller agree to uh, basically be in a conditional status for X amount of days. 30 days is common. Sometimes I've seen longer as well. Um, and it gives you that time to sell your house. And once you sell your house, you send them a notice of fulfillment, mm-hmm. which same firms as any up other on the deal, same as any other deal. But it also says in most cases that the seller has, uh, it can still market and sell the house. So if another buyer comes along and gives them an accepted offer, uh, the current buyer would have first right of refusal and they have to firm up within or cancel within 24 mm-hmm. to 48 hours typically. Absolutely. Uh, so even though you've got this house you know, may feel like you've got it locked in for 30 days, you could still be put under pressure to make a decision in a day or two. Yeah, absolutely. So. When was the last time you saw, did it deal with that type of condition? I have not done one for a very long time. Yeah. We, I was recently uh, almost involved in a purchase where the seller was involved. So the seller had bought a house out in Innisfil and they listed their house and... 
they had actually just gone past the amount of time that they were allowed. Mm-hmm. So they lost out, of, lost out on that house, but they were still listing their house for sale nevertheless. Yeah. Um, so that can happen too. You may not sell your house during that time, but yeah. Yeah, it's important to be ready to go. That's a big thing. Absolutely. So we're going to talk today. We're going to introduce a new little segment that we're going to play with. Let's see how this goes. We're calling it What the Photo. Well, you know, like we look at so many listings, we see almost every new listing that pops up in this area. And you know, most people, most agents do a great job and you see good photos, but once in a while or... Probably. You know, yeah, but we were talking about it earlier. You say once in a while, but when we're on a day-to-day basis looking at on the real estate boards for listings for our clients or just getting updated with what's new, we see shitty photos all the time. Well, either they're super tiny, so they're not formatted properly. Yeah. They're sideways. You know, they have crap in the in the photos that shouldn't be there. Yeah. Or, you know, we're in the middle of August right now. You see snow in the driveway. Yeah. And so they're using old photos or it's been listed forever. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, when people are paying good money to have someone sell their home and post and present it properly, it's amazing what actually gets yeah. posted. I mean, there are so many ways to make a bad photo, but one of my biggest pet peeves is what you said, the sideways or upside down photos. Yeah. It's because they're never consistent. So no. it's like you've got one properly shot photo. Next one is sideways. So you like turn your head or turn your phone. Next one's upside down. You turn, then you're back to normal. Well, what are these homeowners thinking too? Like they're paying, again, they're paying. Someone like do they not side. look at their listing? Yeah. You, I know. I know when we were selling our last house, we were sharing the photos to friends and family. I'd be embarrassed if that was the type of photo that was my house represented. Even if they've hired a discount brokerage, like yeah. they're still paying money, paying good money uh, to sell. So you should have reasonable expectations of at least yeah. having professional you know, photos. What drives me crazy is distorted images too. They're using like stupid oh, like lenses fish or fish lenses eyes or, or extra wide. Oh, no, no, no. The panoramic ones. Oh, yeah. Those are it's like you see seven rooms shot in one picture and it's like you have no idea how they fit together. Well, how many times have we've gone back and actually re-shot rooms that weren't perfect or there was a maybe something left out or that wasn't the right angle because yeah. that that's the type of um, representation or presentation we want to put on our listings. Yeah, we've had we've been known to do that. You get back from the photo shoot and we get the photos and not pointing any fingers or anything, but yeah. sometimes there's like a camera bag or a phone sitting on the counter. Or a reflection that shouldn't or be Or whatever, yeah, yeah. Reflections are big ones. That's uh, something commonly missed. Um, you know, between, you know, if we can't edit the photo, uh, then we go back and redo it mm-hmm. because it has to be perfect. Well, there's, I think it's, it really comes down to there's no excuse for a bad photo. Between the technologies available, editing, and just you know, caring and giving a shit, there really shouldn't be any reason why every photo shouldn't be, you know, close to perfect or at least, you know, um, at least presentable online. Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, to put things into perspective, if from a, for a, from a seller's perspective, if you've hired somebody to get quote unquote professional photos is for an average sized house, you know, maybe 2000 square feet, whatever, Mm -hmm. it's probably two to 300 bucks. 
Yeah. So it's not big money. It's not. Uh, so you should definitely be expecting that from your realtor. Yeah. So um, this came up because I was up at the cottage last week and I was looking um, I was looking up in that area just to see what was on the market. Uh, be nice to actually purchase something up there. And there's, I mean, up there, I mean, there's so many bad photos of properties there. But yeah. again, even around here, um, I'm looking at properties with a client and the photo we're going to see is one that came up that I saw. Um, it's not a bad photo, but it certainly shouldn't be a photo you see in a $850,000 home right. for sure. So, right. So let's get to yeah. it. What the photo here it is. <laughs> let's see what we got today. Ta-da. All right. So it's, for those of you listening, you got to go over to YouTube, watch the video, but this is a kitchen photo. It's actually a nice kitchen. Yeah. Nice kind of shaker style. Looks like maple cabinets, stainless appliances. Um, they left their drying rack out yeah. <laughs> with some, uh, towel, some or towel or whatever. Dish soap the, dish soap. the weirdest thing is the cabinets are open. I think we all know their shelves in the cabinets. And yeah, it's like they're not even like fancy pull out. No. I can understand if someone has uh, custom organizers that you can pull out and lazy susans, may, all that may, stuff. Maybe, maybe even, but you know, show off your Tupperware collection. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Does anyone ever use the top shelf? I do, only do to you? hide stuff. I don't want Jen to actually see or reach. Okay, so maybe these people are just know. really short. Maybe, yeah. I don't know, but this is, I think, a good example of if you had a photographer or taking your photos yourself, don't just walk in and take a photo. You know, move for, stuff around. For not, like, not even a photographer, just a competent person with common sense. Like, close the cupboard doors. I have a feeling that they maybe opened them because they thought it was an artistic sort of feel. <sighs> Yeah, like, again, look how maybe, wide, because this looks like more than a 90 degree opening. That's a pretty wide opening <laughs> that the door can extend. I guess to. So. so. I think we both agree that visually this would be much better if there was nothing on the counters or very little on the countertops. Yeah. The dirty dishes and soap put away and yeah. cabinets closed. Yeah. Well, here's and here's the thing. Like people think, oh, it's just a photo, whatever. When you're actually looking like for from buyer's perspective, photos make all the difference. Like <laughs> even to the point of which photo you choose to have as your primary photo. Absolutely. So when people are flipping through dozens of uh, listings and they're trying to pick a handful that they can go see one day, do they stop on yours or do they skim over yeah. to the like nicer when you're ones? Doing, when you're doing a search, I know like when I'm, I try and dial it in when I'm doing searches, but you're still looking at a list of 30 to 60 homes, depending on the criteria, Easy. Yeah. which ones jump out. And, you know, even though you try and look past maybe a bad photo here or there, a hundred percent influences what, what properties you show. Right. If a, sh if a property has crappy photos, you know, it might, you, you know, that mindset is, that's a, crappy house, yeah. right? So Well, and I've had buyers where we were searching for properties for them and it was in an area where we knew the floor plans uh, to a T. So we could look at the outside of a house right. and know exactly what the floor plan yeah. was. So we knew more or less what they wanted within one or two different floor plans. Um, photo, our listing came up. It was perfect. I knew they would like the floor plan, but it it was just really bad photos. They were dark mm -hmm. and they were very narrow field of view. So you couldn't really see much. And the house looked kind of dirty. Yeah. Um, and so they flat out refused to go see it because of their perception yeah. of the house through the photos. I had a similar situation where I actually went to, I still thought the house would be a good fit for them just based off the criteria that we were spoke about. Uh, but the photos were, were awful. So I actually went there 
took photos on my own, sent a video and sent it to the clients and say, you know, I still think it's worth a look. I took some better photos for you to take a look at. Yeah. We ended up looking at it. They, we didn't actually go going with that home, but I had to go there, take photos myself and then drag them out. So your cell phone photos were better than the listing realtors. Yeah. Photos, hundred percent better. <laughs> that's funny. Exactly. Yeah, uh, and that's so common. Uh, anyways, it's amusing. Mm-hmm. Keeps us entertained. Yeah. So there you go. That's our first photo for what the photo segment. Yeah. If you have a bad name's one, send it in. We'd like to take a look at it. Maybe we'll feature it going forward. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. And that's an active listing, by the way. Is that right? Listing. So that's an active listing somewhere in the GTA. GTA. All right. We'll be kind of vague with yeah. it. Yeah. Don't in go that, searching for again, it. Again, to reference, you know, that's not a cheap home. It's you know, 850,000 yeah. plus anyways. So yeah. Cool. The uh, one thing I wanted to talk about today, just a little bit of chest pounding. Your I'm, lease. I'm proud you of did, my lease. You just did. I am so proud of we it. We all so, thought you were crazy taking this on. I know. So we had, uh, so this applies to like so many people on different scales and different situations, but it's so common that people struggle to get leases. Well, it's so competitive now. I mean, leases, um, there's a huge demand for them. Yes. Inventory supplies extremely low. Yes. Um, when we post a lease listing, we get on average 20 plus inquiries immediately. Yeah. More. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Um, so if uh, it's a great time to actually purchase an investment property, but it's hard to actually win a lease deal. It is very hard. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people that are new immigrants with no job, uh, no active income, no credit history. So they struggle um, and are probably forced under pressure to do things that they maybe wouldn't want to do or live somewhere they wouldn't want to live or whatever. Maybe they have a big family in a small basement apartment. Who knows? Yeah, there's but, lots, of pe- lots of circumstances that people are looking Right. At. So the, the key is working with somebody that you trust and that they're competent. So this uh, particular case was um, a business. So it was a church. And I was working with the executive pastor. And he was referred to me by um, a longtime acquaintance of maybe 10, 15 years, a lady I used to work with in uh, uh, World Vision, when I used to work at World Vision many years ago. Anyway, so she said that he was having trouble finding a place to rent. So the story was he is the executive pastor of a church, and the church is starting a Bible school, and they had uh, 10 students coming about half of them from out of province, so people flying from BC, um, all over Canada, coming to uh, be students in this Bible school, and it started. It's starting this September, right? Uh, so they wanted to be up and running end of August. So they've got to get a place, move in, set up the furniture, have it ready for the and arrival. accommodate ten people and accommodate well ten students, yeah, plus two. Uh, what they call uh, residence directors. So this is a, a young married couple that would kind of be supervising. Chaperone, maybe. Like, yeah, yeah being there for the students to help them out so as well. So 12 people. 12 people in a single family residential wow. property. Like not your typical landlord's ideal no. scenario. If you if you were counseling a landlord, you probably would say no to that. I would probably say <laughs> no. Yeah. Although it's good to be open-minded and at least hear things out. And that's where uh, it worked out. So um, anyway, so I found out their criteria. I needed to know, you know, how many people, how are you going to set it up? Okay, we're going to have two bunk beds in each room. Da, 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 da. Right. You know, so they wanted a certain number of bedrooms, certain number of bathrooms. And, a, you know, they were open-minded to the size 
uh, and they needed to accommodate four cars. So right. it was pretty limited. That, I would say that's very limiting. Yeah, it was very limiting. Uh, and they could only be in a certain municipality. Mm-hmm. So um, anyways, it was tough. So what we did is I just called basically every time a house came on the market that was suitable, I would call the listing agent and you know, just sell them on the idea of at least hearing us out, right? right? Like I'm not trying to get a yes or no from them on the phone. No. I'm just trying to convince them to sit down with me. And we managed to connect with one person that said, okay. So we had a meeting uh, and then it seemed to go well. I got us a second meeting and the second meeting we brought in um, the residence directors as well to get a face-to-face and they're a really great couple. Mm. Um, and... And anyway, anyways, after about two, two weeks or three weeks, maybe we got the deal. That's awesome. And yeah, they're moving and they're getting the keys today. We're going at six o'clock to get the keys. And um, they're, I think they're now down to nine students plus two residence directors. So 11 people in this house. Landlords seem very happy. But one of the biggest things, too, is setting the right expectations with your client. Absolutely. So, you know, I had a good discussion with our client and made sure they knew what they would have to do to make it well i'm sure enticing. you also had them um you had them prepared you had all the documentations ready yes you know, probably had to pay a little more than what they were asking for i imagine exactly yeah because of the extra people wear and tear and everything like that yep so being prepared is huge whether it's a unique situation like this or just a regular couple or small family whatever looking for a property so in this case they had audited financial statements ready they had um, already contacted the municipality to make sure that the town was okay with the was arrangement there any additional insurance that needed for that many people in a home or no, different no, type different of insurance type. but um, so we had a letter from the town saying that it would be compliant with all the bylaws right. for that type of zoning so you did uh, all your homework beforehand yeah I mean they had uh, done a lot of it but had it all prepared. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think, you know, when we deal with lease clients, first of all, so many agents don't want to, or, or don't like to, or just don't deal with clients looking for lease properties. Right. Um, paperwork wise, it's actually more paperwork than actually purchasing a home. But I think the biggest thing that, that we offer, that a good agent will offer when representing it is you're an advocate for that person looking for that home. So if you're able to have um, speak for them, speak about why they're looking for a home, speak about what they do professionally, where they're coming from, and having all those documents ready to go and organize and submitting yeah. it, that's huge. I the mean, second, well, the second that you are pre- presenting something that's not professional, not prepared, messy, sloppy, whether it's just incorrect paperwork, yeah. whatever, you're done. Or if they're chasing documents, because it's so competitive, you yeah. don't have everything to go in one file, yeah. ready to send that, um, send it as soon as you can. That person representing the home doesn't want to chase you down. Even if you're more qualified than someone who doesn't necessarily have all the documents, they're going to go with someone who has everything ready to go. Yeah. Well, I've dealt with uh, deals, both leasing, I'm sure you have too, and buying um, where the offers coming in uh, from tenants or buyers um, were sloppy. And they could have been perfect tenants, but they're represented by people that are shortcutting and and not doing things properly. Or if you have two offers, even say the offers are identical, you're looking at both of them, you're going to go with or recommend your client go with one that doesn't necessarily have those mistakes um, uh, or if they need a bunch of corrections. That doesn't really speak to the, the client, but it's just easier to deal with. Yeah. 
So, and there's so many situations like this was a really unique one, which I don't know that we'll ever come across it no. again, but, um, you know, worked out well. I know Steve recently had one that we talked, we did an Instagram post about where he had a client that was new to the country, no job, no income, no credit. And this guy had been looking for a house for two or three months on his own with no luck. And then within a few days, Steve had it yeah. in place. Oh, well, how many times do we get people inquiring about our lease properties? It's either goes, um, or gets leased right away. They don't get that one for whatever reason they're not working with an agent we are able to help them or work with them and within usually weeks or you know a short time frame actually able to find that because we're able to act on that advocate we have all those documents ready to go um so it just they're more prepared uh when actually looking for that lease yeah right? i mean another thing that i hate when we're uh when we're representing um a landlord right and we get calls from people asking what I would consider to be stupid questions like so many, you know, would you consider my tenant? This is my tenant. They have a dog. Would you consider them? They have a dog. Would you accept somebody with a dog? I'm like, get off your ass, show them the house, make sure it's something they want. And then tell me the whole story. Yeah. You know, instead of just asking me a question sounding like all grumpy and, you know, call saying, I have a great client. They love the house. This is what they do. This is how old they are. They've got a well, lovely Ariel pet. Here's just, a picture of the dog. Exactly. Ariel just uh, told a story on one of the podcasts about a client he helped with a home um, who had a dog and they wrote a nice letter, had pictures. Like, yeah. do a do your job. Make sure that they're make sure you qualify your client first, which is a huge thing. Yes. How many times do you get an offer from an agent working with someone who's not qualified? They don't have a backstory. They don't give you circumstances. And on paper, it just looks like crap. Well. Meanwhile, they could be a good tenant. They're just not represented very well. Yeah. Well, and like, listen to the person that's representing you. I remember I had tenants that approached me and they wanted assistance. So I told them what we required. Mm -hmm. They sent me all the paperwork, uh, but their credit report was was a little questionable. There like, was this, probably a story or something. Well, there. no, it was just no? like the way they sent it to me. Like, you know, when if you get an Equifax report, you can just download it. Yeah, clear, really presentable PDF. PDF. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they didn't do that. They had sent me a copy of one. Right. And very subtle, but there was like certain parts that were cut off. Like right. the page numbers, like one of two, one of whatever at the bottom. Right. Um, so I told them, I said, listen, from a landlord's perspective, perspective, it's likely that they will question these documents because they're not clear mm -hmm. and precise. So can you send me the original PDF? And he made a big fuss of it. No, I can't. And this is what, all I've got. And he was a bit of a dick. Anyways, I said, fine, I'll try for you. But it's likely to happen. Sure enough, the landlord said, listen, we're not comfortable with the documents. It looks like things are missing. We don't know how many pages are in the original file because you've cut off the bottom where it says the page numbers. We're not comfortable. I tell this other guy, he gets all pissed off and we go our separate ways. But, you know, listen to your realtor. Yeah. And... You know, just do things properly. Good That's all advice. I have to say. Well, we got off on a bit of a tangent there with leases, but congratulations. Thank and you. I hope your clients, uh, everything goes well. Yeah, thank you very much. Anything else? I don't know. I think we're done here. I think that's it for episode 39. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Cool. Signing off. <laughs>